This is He Said, Then She Said, a series of conversations with Jewish and Gentile couples from around the world. I'm Tuvia Zaretsky, and as your host, I've been researching for over 20 years some of the intercultural challenges that are described by these intercultural couples. We want to get an authentic look into how they navigate those unique and complex challenges, and then hear from them how they found spiritual harmony in their relationship. If you or someone you know would like support for those similar interfaith relationship issues, you can contact us by email at info at jewishgentilecouples.com. On today's program, we get to hear from Marissa and Andrew Alexander. They're meeting us from their home in Johannesburg, South Africa. Marissa is from an interfaith couple that developed a distinctly Jewish identity. As you'll hear, she's direct, very relational with her family and with her community. I'm also told that Marissa's fluent in Zulu, the dominant black African language in South Africa. Andrew is from a family of Scots, yet he grew up in two African countries. So he's a white European who grew up as a minority in African culture making him a perfect partner to discover a whole new cross-cultural experience being married to a Jewish woman. One of the interesting angles to their story is their discovery of a new perspective found in the Bible for spiritual harmony between Jews and Gentiles. I hope you'll enjoy meeting these two. I certainly did. Hi, everybody. This is Tuvia Zaretsky with JewishGentilecouples.com, and I'm here today with Marissa and Andrew Alexander. They're both jooining us all the way from South Africa. Greetings to you both. Hi, Hi Tobia. Good evening. Good evening. This side. Good morning. Your side. You're right. Yeah, mm. we're we're nine time zones apart. Yes, um, we are. Indeed. So um, I'm I'm really excited to hear about you, your backgrounds, Marissa. I want to start with you. Tell us a little bit about your family background, your spiritual, no problem. cultural upbringing. Sure, Tobia. My mother was Jewish. Her parents were both Jewish. My dad's father was Jewish, but not his mother. So my dad is not actually Jewish, but they got divorced when I was seven years old. You say your your dad's father was Jewish, his mother yes. was not. Yes. So they're they're a Jewish Gentile couple. That's your, they, your father. They too were yes. Oh. My 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 grandparents were also a Jewish Gentile couple on my dad's side. Yes. Okay. Why would you say he's not Jewish? Um, my dad's not Jewish because his mother wasn't Jewish. So in the eyes of Judaism, he's not regarded as a Jew because his mother wasn't Jewish. The, the rabbis have said that Jewishness is derived from a mother because you always know who the mother is. You may not know who the father is in the case of rape or something else. However, biblically, it was through either of the parents, if it was only through the mother, then, for example, the children of Moses would not have been Jewish because his wife was a Midianite. Mm. 
Not everybody really thinks about that that often. Oh, no, they don't. You have, you have a number of examples. The, the children of the tribal head Joseph would not have been Jews because their mother was Oznat, an Egyptian. So the, the discussion these days about matrilineal or patrilineal descent is more, more contemporary. It's been around for quite a while, but particularly in granting citizenship to people moving to the state of Israel that became an issue for some. We'll go back to your upbringing. So your mom was Jewish and, and that helped you to confirm your own Jewish identity. Yes. Yes. And my grandparents who were very influential in my life. My granny, she could cook all the Jewish foods, which she did. You have to identify Jewish foods. Yes. From your experience in, in South Africa, what are Jewish foods? Okay. So she used to make kanadlach, which are matzo balls, which you then cook um, and boil in chicken soup. That's a Jewish table, and I think it is still today. She made kanadlach, which was for the soup. Then she also made blintzes, which are like little pastry pies, either filled with a meat filling, like a mincemeat filling. She also made, what else did she make? She made teglach which is a Jewish sweet dessert, which is a hard biscuit. So when you talk about she made Jewish food, you're talking about food that's Ashkenazi or Eastern European. Yes, yes. traditional Ashkenazi, European, um, Lithuanian, Russian, that type of Jewish food. Yes. Right, right. And that's um, the fun part about this is when people say, yeah, we had Jewish food growing up. Well, if they grew up in a Jewish community in Tehran, that was really a different <laughs> Jewish food. <laughs> okay, okay, we had chopped herring and chopped liver. and <laughs> Yeah. So did you have any holidays at home? So very, very traditional. On the very high holy days, on your New Year, your Yom Kippur, your Passover, your Feast of Tabernacles, we used to go to the synagogue only because my grandfather did. So us as children, my sister and I used to accompany him because it was like an outing. And even though they spoke uh, Hebrew in the synagogue, so we never, ever understood a word of that, that was being said. Mm -hmm. um, we never learned Hebrew at all, but we used to go to synagogue with my grandfather on very high holy days. Did the family speak any Yiddish since they were Ashkenazi Jews? My granny spoke only Yiddish at home growing up. Her parents could only speak Yiddish. We only spoke English at home, but I must be honest, I've picked up a lot of Yiddish words that I still use today. I can't speak like sentences or anything, but but Jewish sort of, you know, little words that come up every now and again, I do say, and I then teach it to Andrew as well. He's picked up a lot of the sayings and understand understands them as well. I want to turn to Andrew now, and I understand that you were born in Scotland, and when you were about five, you moved to South Africa. Can you tell us a little bit about that background? I was I was quite well. I was five, so I, I don't understand the reasons why my parents moved until I got older. We were in South Africa. The apartheid era didn't go down well with my father. Coming from a very open country like Scotland, where there was no segregation um, or anything like that, 
we decided to move. Well, my parents decided to take us to Rhodesia at the time, which is now Zimbabwe. Also, when we got there, it was the same type of whites only, but it wasn't on the scale as it was in South Africa during the apartheid era. I mean, I remember going to school. There were um, young black children with us at our schools when we were doing our apprenticeships. They were also they were they were doing their apprenticeships with us. So it wasn't as bad as it was in South Africa. We were brought up in a Protestant home. None of my parents were churchgoers. We were never ever forced to go to church. The church was entirely up to us, and we never really did, un- unless we went to a wedding or a christening or a funeral. But other than that, we were we were basically left to our own devices. Scotland is traditionally has a, a very strong Presbyterian. Was that any any part of your upbringing? Um, my dad was a member of the Orange. I never knew what it was. Orange is, is prominent. Well, it is only Protestant. So it's like in, in, in Ireland, you got prominently Catholic. So it would be, okay, that's what the Orange was. You know, it was like a community of Protestants that did their own thing once a year, like St. Patrick's Day, they had what they called the Orange Walk, things like that. But we were never, ever involved in any of that growing up because we weren't in Scotland. We were in Africa. So, so in Zimbabwe? Yeah well, yeah. well, then it was Rhodesia at the time. We were basically left our own devices. We were, like I said, we weren't forced to do anything. The choice was completely ours. Religiously? Yeah, at all. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yes, yeah. So growing up, we didn't really have any religion in our home at all. So you didn't yeah, celebrate Christmas or, or yeah, Easter? Or Easter, yes, we did. We, but our biggest thing, being, being Scots, our biggest celebration was New Year's. Hmm. Monet. That was our biggest celebration. Any, any other holiday that we got was a bonus. But New Year's uh-huh. Eve was yeah. the holiday for us. What would you do on New Year's Eve? Well, being Scotsman, we drink whiskey until we passed out. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't put it any other way, but I that's what it that is. It, sure. it, it is. It it was. It's one party that just goes on from the thirty first of December until the sun rises on the first of January the following year. So it's just one big party. <laughs> so yeah, but okay. um, Easter, Christmas Day, we didn't really celebrate at all. Marissa, I want to come back to you for a minute now. You're raised in a traditional Jewish home. You were married and have two children by that first marriage, correct? That's correct, yes. And that was to somebody who was Jewish? Yes, Leon was Jewish. Also very not religious, not just also very, very secular. We we didn't actually even have any celebration or Jewish festivals or anything in our home either. My children actually grew up learning about Judaism and religious studies at school um, because we never went to synagogue or did any of that, even when I was married. I was only married to their father for three years, but he, he still plays a role in their life today. Um, my children are 30 and 28 years old. So as a single mom, what kind of culture did you have in your home with the two kids as you were raising them? 
we were Jewish. They did Jewish studies at school. My, my son and daughter with with the Jewish studies, which was in primary school, they were even learning Hebrew. My son had a bar mitzvah. Was that at a Jewish school that they went to then? No, 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 no. It was okay. it was a government school, so um, it wasn't. It, it was all religions and all races. They did have quite a. They, they had a quite a big class, one class, a Jewish class, and so they'd have Bible study for the non-Jewish children, and they'd have Jewish studies for the Jewish children. But it was only like for an hour a week kind of thing, so it wasn't every day. My son had a bar mitzvah in an Orthodox synagogue. He studied for two years because he couldn't read Hebrew or anything. So, you know, we'd never been to synagogue that often. They'd been to synagogue or Sanhai holy days, maybe with friends or whatever. I wanted to give my son the choice as to whether he wanted to be, you know, marry a Jewish girl one day, then he would have had to have a, a bar mitzvah. So I gave him that opportunity of of being Jewish, to be able to carry on the Jewish tradition and religion with a wife who was Jewish if he married a Jewish woman one day and brought his children up Jewish. Now, I understand there was a spiritual transition in your life. Can you tell us a little bit about that? I was married a second time for 15 years. He came from a Christian family and his family were praying for me. And I was 45 years old when one year I went to, we went to visit his sister over the Easter weekend. They invited us to their church where they were having the Passion of the Christ play. Now, I had been to church probably more times than I'd been to synagogue in my life, just over the years um, with friends, with family, you know, sort of his family, etc. I watched the Passion of the Christ play. They did an altar call at the end of the play. Now, I'd been to altar calls before, but I wasn't stirred at the time. But this altar call I was, when everybody had gone up, he then said, repeat after me. And I sat in my chair and I repeated after him. That's when I knew that I knew without a doubt that the Holy Spirit had entered my being because I became very quiet within and anybody who knows me knows I'm not quiet. So I became very, very, very quiet and I internalized the feeling. And I knew without a doubt that I then, that day, became a child of God, became a child of Christ. It was on the 22nd of March, 22nd of March, 2008. Well, thanks for, thanks for sharing about that transition in your own life. I understand that the the second marriage ended sadly because of circumstances that were beyond your control that left you open and looking to remarry once more. And Andrew, I want to turn to you. And how did you two end up meeting? We actually met on a dating site hmm. called Elite Singles. Is that strictly in South Africa? No, no, I think Elite Singles is international. We met online and then... We talked for a while, then, and then I got Marissa's number. Then I started phoning her and things like that. And then I invited her over to watch rugby. And she said, no, okay, fine, because I was in a wheelchair. I just had a motorbike accident. 
she came over and we watched the rugby together and we've been together ever since. How long ago was that that you that you first met? Five years. Six and a half. It was 31st of October 2015. It was five years ago. That's <laughs> <laughs> if you can't count. Yeah. yeah it's okay. Yeah. It was it, it was. She's six right. It was six years. and a half years ago. You're well recovered from the motorcycle accident this time. Yes, yeah. He uh, did lose a toe. Though. I did lose a toe though. Do you still it, ride it, motorbikes? I, I did up until last year. Last year I sold it. I took okay. my earrings out. I took everything out except <laughs> the tattoos. The tattoos you can't take out. They're there for no, life. So, no, you can't. So, yes, that's how we well, met online. And we always laugh about it because I'm married to a tattooed biker <laughs> with, one, with four toes on one foot. <laughs> 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 oh, yeah. And when you put yourself out there on this dating site, what were you looking for? What kind of a person were you looking for? Somebody that I could share time with. My late wife passed away from ovarian cancer. We had been together for 20 odd years. Now, the problem was, I I do have children, but they're all grown up. I was looking for somebody that I could go out and enjoy my life with. I got to that stage in my life where I didn't want responsibility of somebody else's children. So when I met Marissa and she told me she had children, it was like, okay. But then when I met the children, it was completely different. I mean, Marissa's children, the way they've been brought up with a single mother is uh, is absolutely unbelievable. They are absolutely unbelievable children. And they just told us, get on with your life. Don't worry about us. You just go on. Don't, don't worry about us. And um, it took me about two years to get the idea that Marissa's got children. Sometimes they're at home, sometimes they're not, depending on, on what's happening. And then I realized, you know, they're never, ever going to be there forever. They're going to one day be gone. So this is how my life moved forward, was that when I met her, realizing her children are completely different from my late wife's children, um, they were extremely independent from their mother, um, both um, Mandy and Evan. And for me, that was a bonus. That was a plus because there was no restrictions. If Marissa wanted to come to the house, she came to the house. If she didn't want to come, she didn't have to. If we wanted to go away for a weekend, we went away for a weekend. So that's the kind of relationship that I was looking for as I was growing older. And that's the relationship we've got now. And it's fantastic. Mm. It's just that Marissa's Jewish and I'm Gentile. What did you do or think spiritually about her life and, and yours? You know, when we were dating, I used to go to their church and and slowly but surely I started to understand. But there, there was a lot I didn't. And I still don't. You know, I mean, it, 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 it's something that you learn all the time. That you've got to be patient because you can say the wrong thing at the wrong time and it can be offensive. But not realizing, you know, that what you've said to them is offensive, but not to you because you weren't brought up the same. So I'm getting there. That's okay. We say all communication is cross-cultural. Yeah. We learn words and meanings. And sometimes we meet somebody who uses the same 
vocabulary, but they have a different dictionary. Yes. And so we may say things innocently about that we understand and how we explain the world around us. Mm. And all of a sudden we realize that person is hearing me completely differently. Yes. For example, earlier when, when uh, Marissa said that we, my mother made Jewish food mm-hmm. and <laughs> yes. with my, with my tongue in my cheek, I'm asking, what do you mean by Jewish food? For a lot of people listening, Jewish food might be food made with couscous with chickpeas and, and would not mm-hmm. have any idea what some of these Yiddish named food. So when you say, you know, you, you kind of stumbled into a world where you could accidentally say something that was offensive and have no intention of doing that. That's, mm-hmm. that's really what we're talking about where people come from completely different realms and, but move toward a greater understanding as they hear one another and realize where they come from, what they mean. And that allows for not only a sociological intimacy and, and for a married couple um, physical intimacy, but also for a couple that share faith, there's a mm. spiritual intimacy as, as well. That's even more difficult to arrive at because those, those spiritual or religious mm. ideals are so deeply held. So tell me a little bit about that you, you both have found the same faith. You said it was about a year ago that, that you came to understand her faith in a more personal way for you? Well, he gave his life to the Lord on the 4th of April last year, and he was baptized on the 8th, I think it was. No, I think it was the 24th of May. 24th of May. Mm. It was the next month. He was baptized here in our bar. Then, then I started spending more time with Marissa. Well, then we everything was on Zoom because of COVID. We spent a lot more time interacting with Marissa's minister, and then with some of the group of people. So you and Mr. Marissa got married mm-hmm. and you were going to church with her at a mm-hmm. Messianic congregation? Yes. So the congregation that you were attending was called Bet Yeshua and it was a congregation for Jews and Gentiles and it had a an orientation for Messianic Jews. Is that right, Marissa? Yes, it is. In fact, there were more non-Jews at, that, at Bet Yeshua than there were Jews. But the Jews that were there were messianic. So what I'm what I'm getting at, Andrew, is Marissa said you you came to the Lord. What was happening as you were moving up to that place of faith? There were things that was talked about that I'd never heard before. Like, I never realized how Jewish the Bible was until now. You know, I always thought it was Moses was Moses and Jesus was Jesus and Jacob was Jacob and Adam was Adam and Eve was Eve until we started doing the scriptures with Michael. And if you look at the Old Testament that we're with now, I mean, it's it's all about the Jews. To me, it was strange. I'm like, but where's my part of the Bible? I understand all the holidays. I understand why we light the candles. I understand why she lights a candle on her mom's death. That is all come to me. But that the Bible was so, no gentile. To me, it was confusing. At, at first, it was written by the Jewish community at that time. And this is what some people have to start realizing. Well, if, if you're in a cross-cultural relationship, that you might have the same Bible, but you've got to look at it from the Jewish point. And, and that's what I had to do. Something that's part of your background certainly opened you 
to a very unique perspective. Your family came from Scotland, mm-hmm. and so there is that orange culture. <laughs> they moved to South, Af- South Africa, and as an mm-hmm. outsider, you saw it was happening with apartheid, and that was very difficult. And so you moved to Rhodesia, Zimbabwe now. Mm-hmm. And you talk about going to school where there were blacks in the school along with you. And that was normative. Mm. It wasn't unusual where you were. It wasn't unusual. Yeah. But in South Africa and in, in, in Zimbabwe, you were living in, in countries that were, they had a larger black population than they had a white population. Mm. So you were, you were a minority in that cross-cultural world. Mm. And that certainly was an easy place for you, I gather. Mm. Yeah. So that opens you up then to to enter a church called Beit Yeshua, which is a messianic congregation. <laughs> but there's just one thing. I just yeah. when when I was at school in Rhodesia, I went to a school called Milton High, and it was Jewish. It was a Jewish school. I've never had so many holidays in all my life. <laughs> because when there was a holiday, the school shut down because ninety percent of your teachers were Jewish. Yeah. Right. There, there was no religious education at schools in Rhodesia. There was after-hours activities, if you wanted, but during school time, it wasn't ever mentioned that he's Jewish, you Gentile, we're going to go on holiday now, but you have to go to school. So the cross-culture between Marissa and I was the Bible. Marissa, what could you tell somebody who is, like the two of you, you're married, one of you is Jewish, and you have a, a multicultural or or a Gentile who understands and easily enters that world. Can you make a distinction for people between the traditions of Judaism and the things that you read in the Bible that introduce to you faith in Yeshua? Well, the Old Testament are all the traditions, the laws, the rituals, the things you have to do the things you are not allowed to do. Once you get to the New Testament, it's a totally different story. Jesus Christ died on the cross for each one of us, Jew and Gentile alike. And that's where the cross culture comes in. Because Jesus, although he was born in Israel, and although he was brought up as a Jew and taught in the synagogues, died for both Jew and Gentile alike. There is then no segregation. There is then no difference between being a Jew and a Gentile. We all come together as one with Christ. So in your relationship with Andrew, are you able to to let him know in this part of it is culture from Ashkenazi Jewish life, and this is a spiritual message that's coming from the Bible. Are you able to do that? Yes. And also another thing is we have a Sabbath, a Friday night Shabbat service, Jews and Gentiles together. And we also do a Bible study. So we actually are learning that there is no separation between the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's not saying Jewish Old Testament, non-Jewish New Testament, It's one book that actually joins as one with both Jew and Gentile alike. Yes. To be honest, to start with, I was very, very reserved and held back. But as I've grown with Marissa, and it's not only Marissa, 
It's also the people that surround it. There's, there's a group of us, and they are more than welcome. They, they open their arms to you. They are there for you. That's why with Marissa, when, when I did find the Lord and became at peace with myself, it was a lot easier for me to understand Marissa's ways. It's those small things that you pick up on. Like in the morning, I can't put the TV on because she reads her Bible. Fair enough. It's a quiet time. And that's where I'm saying that understanding of the needs of your partner have to be understood 100% before decisions are made. Because, you know, cross-culture can be extremely difficult, especially in Africa. Let's take Africa as an example. We've got 11 official languages just in South Africa. The biggest tribe is what you call a Zulu. In, in the old days, they ruled Africa. Now, what happens is you're getting cross-cultural marriages, and 90% of them in Africa at the moment are ending in divorces. For the simple reason is an African male will never, ever leave his mother. His mother is first and foremost, even though he was brought up by his granny. But when he becomes a man, his first priority is to his mother. And even if he's married, his first priority is to his mother. So... 11 different languages, 11 different cultures, all in amongst 55 million people. It's very hard to keep track of. So that's why I say you've got to understand where your partner is coming from. That's that's probably one of the most uh, important things that the two of you can can say for our, our listening audience, mm-hmm. that um, cross-cultural communication takes a lot of work. It takes a lot mm-hmm. of work to listen to one another and, and keep asking what we understand and what, what we mean and, mm. um, and loving and serving one another really requires us hearing those, those differences so that we can, we can grow together. Mm. You're, you're both in a, a congregation that is uniquely set in a minority culture. Mm. I mean, there's only 16 million Jews in the entire world. And if you've mm-hmm. got a congregation where their culture dominates, then the, mm the larger percentage of the people in that congregation are foreigners to that culture. And yet they're bringing their own cultures in. Mm. And so the fact that you, you both feel welcome there. And I'm Andrew, I'm, I'm glad to hear you talk about though, seeing yourself as an outsider, you feel welcome and mm. you feel needed and, and loved and you have a place there. That's, that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to thank you both. Thanks for, for taking the time to share these stories. And uh, I think it's very valuable for our listeners. Okay. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Well, this has been He Said, Then She Said, one of the series of conversations with Jewish and Gentile couples from around the world. And if you or someone you know would like support for finding the spiritual unity that Marissa and Andrew described, use the Connect page on our website at www.jewishgentlecouples.com or with an email to info at jewishgentlecouples.com. And please check out our blogs, resources, and some of the additional information on Facebook and at Instagram. Hope to hear from you soon. And for now, Shalom and Blessings. Blessings.